Well, this is the day that the Lord has made. We ought to rejoice and be glad in it. What an awesome day this is. A day that we've never seen before and a day we will never see again. And because of that, we ought to give God praises for this day. Amen. Amen. I guess uh, I'll go outside and uh, grab some rocks real quick. Hold on for a minute. Can somebody go get some rocks for me? Because the Bible says that if we don't praise him, the rocks will cry out. Amen. This is a blessed day. Amen. Amen. Are you glad to be in the house of God one more time? Hallelujah. I'm glad to be among the living one more time. But I'm even better and I'm so much gladder because I'm saved. Amen. Amen. That's good news. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I am blessed beyond measure to be here and to be in the house of God. And it's also a great privilege and an honor to stand behind the sacred desk of God. God doesn't just choose anybody to share his word. And I'm grateful that he called those that are called out among the called ones to preach his word. So therefore, I am excited. I'm privileged and honored and grateful for this opportunity. Thank you, Pastor Stephan. Thank you, Manoah family, for entrusting me with the word of God. Thank you, elders and deacons and all the members, amen, that encourages me as I preach and as I share the good news of the Lord. Amen. Amen. I, uh, I am so excited on this text because many of you uh, are participating in this U version where we uh, get up early in the morning, well, some of us, and then some of us I see late in the afternoon get on, and some in the evening. Amen. But that's a blessing, though, because you ought to know your personality. You ought to know who you are. Don't try to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning when you know that you are a midnight person. You'll never do devotions. Amen. You need to find your rhythm. Amen. If it's in the noontime, that's when you spend time with the Lord. If it's at 9 o'clock, that's when you get up and spend time with the Lord. I've been wired. You would think that I was in the military. That at 5 o'clock, actually 3 o'clock in the morning, Kelly can testify this, 3 o'clock in the morning, I've just been getting up, and I guess it's because I used to hear my mom uh, uh, sitting on the edge of her bed, and it would, I, was, I was the oldest, so I would wonder what she was doing. And then I would look out, on the, uh, out down the hall and see her on the side of her bed with her Bible. And over and over, I would see this. And then it just kind of just, it was instilled in me to see a woman of God early in the morning spending time with the Lord. And I thank God for that because what an example that is. David talked about that early in the morning, I go and seek the Lord's face. Jesus stilled away early in the morning to spend time with the Lord. You ought to spend time with the Lord, my sisters and brothers. You'll never get that opportunity again. Days pass and times pass, and we miss so many opportunities to spend it with the Lord. And I tell you this also, and I'm going to move into this text. Uh, those days that you forfeit those opportunities, I can tell 
when I don't spend time with the Lord. I'm cantankerous. I'm mean. People get on my nerve. Come on, somebody can testify out here. Amen. Amen. What a difference it makes when you just sit down in the presence of the Lord. It's the calming factor. God just calms us all the worries, all that stuff that we bring early in the morning to him. He has a way of removing that stuff that we can just sit in his presence and feel the peace of God, the love of God, the joy of God. Do I have a witness out there? Have anybody experienced that? Amen. Amen. And I encourage you, my sisters and brothers, that you might do that. This text, this text was driven from one of our U versions that there was a question going on. Why did Jesus uh, uh, tell some people, you know, uh, don't go tell nobody. Then he tells other people to go and tell some people. That's a good question to answer. Amen. Amen. And let's look at this text and I pray as uh, I preach that you'll understand why the Lord tells some folks. But then on the other hand, as I get other opportunities, I'm going to deal with why he tells others not to uh, tell the, uh, the gospel. Amen. Can we just uh, look at this text today? Are you with me? Yeah. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, and I know you do, because you would never come to a warfare without a weapon. Amen. 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 Turn with me to Mark chapter 5, verses 1 to 20. I know this is a long reading, but please endure so that you might hear the whole pericope of this text here. The Bible says that then they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Garidians, and when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no one could bind him, not even with chains. And because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces, neither could anyone tame him. And always night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him and cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. For he said to him, Come out of the man, unclean spirit. Then he asked him, what is your name? And he answered and said, my name is Legion, for we are many. Also, he begged him earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. Now, a large herd of swine was feeding there near the mountains. So the demons begged him, saying, send us to the swine that we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave them permission. Then the unclean spirits went out and entered the swine. There were about 2,000. And the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. So those who fed the swine fled and they told it in the city and in the country. 
And they went out to see what it was that had happened. Then they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon-possessed and had the legion sitting and clothed in his right mind. And they were afraid. And those who saw it told them how it happened to them, who had been demon-possessed and about the swine. Then they began to plead with him to depart from their region. And when he got into the boat, he who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might be with him. However, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he had compassion on you. And he departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him and all marveled. Amen. Let's look to the Lord. Father, we thank you for this privilege and honor to sit under your word. We ask simply, Father, that you would speak to us. We ask, O oh God, that there would be no star among us. No one will get the glory but you. You be the star of this service, Father. God, allow us just to reflect your glory this morning. We ask that you would fill this temple with your Shekinah glory. God, that you might speak a rhema word to us, a specific word for each one of our needs. God, speak, Lord. We listen to your voice even right now. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. This text, this text sits in the middle of several hopeless situations. Just prior to the events we just read, Jesus and his disciples were out on the sea during a tremendous storm. The disciples were certain that they were going to die. In their minds, they were in a hopeless situation. When they were engulfed in that storm, the disciples were certain that they would die. Those men were seasoned fishermen, but they were helpless to solve their problem. But that storm out on the deep was no problem for the master of the sea. He calmed the storm and he calmed his men. Now Jesus moves into a new set of impossible situations. He encounters a demon-possessed man. This man possessed was, by, was possessed by a thousand demons. He cannot help himself, and the people around him are also helpless. After this, Jesus would deal with a diseased woman and a dead girl. All four of these situations appear hopeless from a human perspective. Yet, in each of these cases, Jesus proves that he was the master of them all. If that demon-possessed man was alive today, he would be sent off to live in a mental institution. 
This sermon is telling to teach us that Jesus is not just the master of the deep. He is also the master of the demonic. Somebody ought to say amen to that. Today, we will take a trip to the cemetery. We will watch as Jesus demonstrates his power over the spiritual realm. We will watch him deliver a man from a hopeless case of spiritual possession and bondage. As we watch the Lord deliver this poor soul, we need to keep in mind that he can move in our lives with the same power. He can break the chains that binds us. He can set us free. Let me three, share these three phases of this encounter and then I'll get out your way. I want to take these verses and preach about the Lord of the demons. The first uh, condition here or transition or our first point is that the man, let's look at this man's condition, verses five to six. You see it right there in the text. We see him chained, crying, cutting himself with stones. This is a profoundly pitiful picture of a devil-controlled life. He had often been bound with fetters and chains, but he had broken those chains and no man, no human agency could tame him. They called the authorities to deal with him, but they could not stop him nor help him. The social services programs could not help him. The rehabs could not help him. The criminal justice system with his first time intervention program could not help him. This man's problem was a demonic source. And I've stopped by to tell somebody that when you got a bunch of demons all up inside of you, you quickly learn that you cannot solve supernatural issues with natural approaches. Amen. You would recognize him the moment that you saw him. I picture his eyes black and shifty, darting around like lightning, his face grimaced, distorted frame with a distressing look. His brows stuck in a feral position. His hair was unkept, matted and mangled. His teeth brownish orange from stains. His breath that could melt a candlestick. All right, don't laugh because I know you know somebody that breath that can melt a candlestick. His body odor. Come on, you know somebody. Not a stench to, to high heaven, but an aerosol from hell. I'll smell some folks. Mm. His body naked with no dignity. Nails overgrown and curling like claws. Arms bloody. Scared from self-mutilations. Ankles adorning fetter anklets from a previous botched attempts from breaking the chain. And this home, y'all, was a cave with a continuous smell of the composing human corpse. No discipline he had, no authority, no restraint. But Mark is not reporting only on the man's external situation but his internal situation. He was unsettled, y'all. Look at where he lives. He's uncomfortable. He's comfortable around dead people. Uncontrollable. No one could calm him or reason with him. He's unhappy. He's depressed in despair and demoralized. Unstable. 
He does not jump up and down rejoicing, but falls at the sight of Jesus. He's unclothed, uncovered. The body was out of control because his head was out of control. Maybe that's why many of our households, our families, and our communities that are broken and dysfunctional because of the head of the family, the man is out there in the graveyards of society. They're not in their rightful mind. They're not in their rightful place in our household. He's a zombie that does not realize that he may be breathing, but he's dead without Christ. This man was possessed by a demon and has discharged him from any real sense of normality. Although his eyes are open and he is animated, he's in fact unconscious and under the control of a devil named Legion. Now, legion is a Roman term, and the military term for legion, they were saying it's about 6,000 soldiers. 6,000 soldiers makes up a legion or army of the Roman soldier or cavalry. 6,000, this man says that I am under this control of legion. But we at least know that it was 2,000 demons possessing this man. Because later in the text, the Bible says that 2,000 demons went down in the swine and they went down into the deep. At least 2,000 demons possessed this man. I like what verse 6 says. But when Jesus was far off, he ran and worshipped him. What's interesting here in this verse is that the man was out of his mind. So then the question begs to be asked, how did he recognize who Jesus was? I'm glad you asked that. Let me suggest to you that when the grace of God comes to your rescue, even in your mess, and even if you are out of your mind because of this irresistible grace, favor and call on your life, the Holy Ghost can break into your spirit Open up your heart, light up and awaken your soul, and you'll see Jesus for who he is. <laughs> if that was not a shouting point, oh my God. I almost ran up and down this church. Oh my God. <laughs> Whoa! Ugh. I got to hold it in because... <laughs> mm. <laughs> I don't care how bad it may be. It just makes sense to worship the Lord. The truth of the matter is, someone here this morning is just a praise away from your deliverance. Somebody, it, it, your situation is bad. But Jesus wants to break into your situation. And he can't break into your situation because you got control of it. You ought to let your situation cast it into Jesus' hand. Throw up your holy hand and start praising the Lord in spite of your situation. Can I get somebody just to praise the Lord in spite of your, no matter how dark it is, no matter how bad it is, can you praise the Lord in spite of? First, we find the man's condition. We see him chained, crying and cutting himself with stone. The second thing that we see here in this text is the man's conversion. 
the man's conversion. Look at with verses 7 to 14. When he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. Not even a legion of devils could stop this brother from reaching out to Christ for help. I tell you, somebody felt that. And salvation. The unclean spirit initiates the dialogue by yelling at Jesus. Jesus performs an exorcism. Come out of him. What sociology could not do? Jesus could. What psychology could not do? Jesus could. What philosophy could not do? Jesus could. I tell you that Jesus can do it. After this man encounter with Jesus, look what Jesus does. We see him clothed. That means he's collected. Look at this man now after this encounter with Jesus. He was sitting. He was sitting among the, the, the believers there. He, that, that means that he was collected. He was clothed. That means that he was covered. And in his right mind, that means that he was civilized. Don't tell me that Jesus can't do it. Jesus can take your situation and turn it around. Hallelujah. I know he can do it because he picked me up, turned me around, put my feet on solid ground. And he ain't do that just for me. He did that for somebody else in here. You would think that folk that knew him before they met Jesus, got delivered, would be happy for him. But instead of receiving him with them, they rejected him. Isn't that something? We always got some folks that belongs to the spiritual firehouse. Right in the sanctuary. The Lord is blessing in the sanctuary. The spirit of God is moving. People are being delivered, and all they're doing is looking around with their fire hoses, trying to put out the Spirit of God. Oh, it don't take all that. Why they hit the drums so loud? Why them young people singing like that? Why he got to get up and praise the Lord? Like, we always got some folks right there in the sanctuary. They ain't shouting because of he's been delivered. They are angry. You know why they're angry? Because they were more concerned about some pigs than the person. They were more concerned, hallelujah, about some swine instead of the Savior. They were more concerned, hallelujah, about their, their welfare and about their uh, their food and what they were going to get. And I know somebody likes swine up in here, but I came to tell you, I love Jesus more than I love swine. I love the person more than I love swine. And that's what Jesus illustrates to us. People come first. People come first. Jesus came all the way across that stormy sea just for that young man. And I don't know about you. Where are you willing to go? Just for somebody. Are you willing to come out of your comfort zone? Somebody's on the other side of the sea waiting to hear a word from you. Are you willing to cross just for that person? Jesus illustrates to us that people come first. That's what we are, why we're here, right? We came to get a word that we might go out and tell somebody about the word of God. Jesus illustrates to us that he's willing to cross a stormy sea. These disciples didn't understand it. That man understood it because he ran to Jesus. The people did not understand it, but Jesus understood it. You don't understand why Jesus comes sometimes, but I'm so glad. All you got, Jesus got a whole witness of folks can testify about how Jesus came by their side. 
Don't you know the woman at the well? She will praise the Lord for us right now. Come see a man who knew all about me, told all about me. You ought to come see Jesus. Look at blind Bartimaeus. Jesus! Jesus! <laughs> the woman with the issue of blood. Hallelujah. The lame man at the pool of Bethesda. The leper. The blind man. Saul of Tarsus. The disciples. Lazarus. And me. Hallelujah. My testimony. He came by just for me. June 23rd, 1988. I was sitting up in Sham Baptist Church all the way up in the rafters because the house was full. And he came right where I was. He didn't look for nobody else. He came right to my pew, and the Spirit came and arrested my soul. And I'm blessed because... <laughs> do you remember, do you remember, do you remember when he met you where you were at? Do you remember that day? Do you remember that situation that you were in? Do you remember how you was messed up, jacked up, how you was on your way to hell? Do you remember that day? Can you call out that moment, that hour, when Jesus came into your life and arrested your soul? Do you remember? Mm. People need to know that we care about them. People come first. Everyone that sees you delivered by Jesus ain't necessarily going to be happy. But look at this man. He's praising the Lord because he's been delivered. He's praising the Lord because Jesus came all the way across that sea in spite of his situation and met him right where he was. This leads me to my last point, the man's commission. Let's look at verse 18 to 20. He says, Jesus, they don't want me here anymore. Can I go with you? Interesting. Jesus answers the request from the demons and the unbelievers but not the new convert. Demons ask, send us to the swine that they may enter them. And Jesus answers them. The people began to plead with him and asked them to depart from their region. And Jesus answers them. The new convert asks that he might be with him. And he was turned down. The reply of the master is, go home to thy friends and tell them the great things the Lord has done for you and how you experienced his grace. In other words, Jesus was in fact telling the brother to go home and tell them how I was a doctor in your sick room, how I made a way out of no way. How I showed up a bridge over your troubled waters. How I was a shelter in the time of your storm. Don't tell somebody, when I was messed up, when I was strung out on drugs, go tell them, while I was in the midst of that situation, while I was partying, while I was whoremonging, while I was in the wrong place at the wrong time, go tell somebody, 
that I came and met you where you were. And the truth of the matter is, my sisters and brothers, you ain't find Jesus. Jesus found you right where you were. Because of the truth of the matter is, if he had not came into our situation, we would still be there right now. We would still be partying. We would still be doing all those things. But Jesus, while we were yet sinners, hallelujah, he stepped down in our mess. Hallelujah. Saw our dilemma. Saw that we were on our way to hell. Snatched us out of darkness and marched us into the marvelous light. And somebody ought to give God some praise. Mmm. <laughs> mmm. Jesus, Jesus told this man, go home to Decapolis. Decapolis was a city of 10 towns and preached the good news. And all the men did marvel. Jesus told him to go to his home. You know what his home is, his immediate family, and literally to yours and your own people. Oh, my God, is that not the hardest charge that Jesus can give you? I know that's true. I asked my family to come online today because they knew who I was before I got saved. They knew the change that Jesus did in my life. I wanted them to know it was the hardest thing that I could do was to get saved, knowing all of my history, walk back into my house, and start talking to them about Jesus. Because they could point back, I remember when you was out there drinking. I remember when you was out there smoking. I remember when you was out there homo. I remember how you treated me as your sibling. They remembered all of that. But what a change came over me. When Jesus came in my life, I looked at my hands and they were new. I looked at my feet and they were too. There was something on the inside working its way on the out. Mm. I got so many blood caps busting up in my head. Uh -uh. Jesus told him to go to his home, his immediate family, to his own people. Can you picture in your mind how this scene must have played out? The people see him coming, and they cringe in fear. The children hide behind their mothers as if he's some monster. The doors are slammed shut. People run in fear to hide from this madman. But wait, y'all. Something is different today. Something is different. Yes, it's still him. He still bears the scars in his body. But the look in his eyes is different. He isn't screaming. He is preaching about a man named Jesus. He isn't running around like a wild man. He is calm and sane. He is talking about how Jesus has changed his life. He isn't naked. He is clothed and peaceful and changed. The people listen to his story, and they are touched. Some are no doubt saved, as I am closing right now. I cannot help but to reflect upon how good the Lord has been to us. 
By the way, y'all, this is still the Lord's desire for every redeemed person. If you are saved, you have a story to tell. You have a testimony. And somebody needs to hear your testimony. Somebody needs to hear how the Lord brought you out of darkness into the marvelous light. Somebody needs to hear that he can dry up drugs in your life. He can take, take the taste of alcohol out of your mouth and that you got a taste for Jesus. Somebody needs to hear that he can meet you right in the sick room. The doctors can turn their back on you, say that that can't do anymore. But somebody needs to hear that when the doctors walked out, Jesus walked in and healed my... Somebody needs to hear it. We got a story to tell. It's a story of a person who was hopeless and helpless until Jesus came by and made a difference. Jesus wants you to tell someone else about what he has done for you. The Bible says in Haggai 2.19, and he's asked this question, is a seed yet in the barn? Friends, it cannot grow until it is sown in the fields. Jesus told his disciples to cast their nets. Why? He knows that net lying in the ship, laying in a ship, cannot capture fish. Who will sow the seed this morning? Who will cast the net? Who will come before God today and surrender to tell a world about Jesus. And just like this brother in our text, I too was commanded by the Lord to go and tell. I remember that day when I sat down with my sisters and brothers and shared with them the change that happened in my life. And I encouraged each one of them to get their lives right with the Lord. And I can testify this morning that each one of my sisters and brothers are saved. They are saved. Amen. Amen. And we have a responsibility to go back to our family after the Lord has done all that he's done in your life. I too am commanded. You are commanded. And I said to myself that I can't keep this to myself. This good news that is bottled up in me that same thing that compelled me, that love that compelled me to Christ is the same thing that compelled this man to go out and share the good news. And what good news we have. We got good news, y'all. I know we got good news because one Friday, they stretched them on a cross. They stretched them wide and dropped them low. We got good news, y'all. I tell you, we got good news. He stayed on that cross. He tore the veil from top to bottom. He stayed on that cross till the earth started rocking like a drunk man. He stayed on that cross till he said, it is finished, and gave up the ghost. He stayed on, he died for us on that cross. We got good news, and I'm so glad that the good news don't stop on Friday because he was put in a borrowed grave on Saturday. I tell you, we got good news to tell somebody because early Sunday morning, while the dude was still on the roses, he got up with all power in his hand. I tell you, we got good news and we ought to tell somebody. About it. 
<laughs> we got good news. It's a good story, y'all. It's a good story. And I've been thinking about this story during Lent time, y'all. I've been thinking about how messed up I am, how jacked up I am. And I look forward to Good Friday. Hallelujah. But oh God, I look forward to Resurrection Sunday. I'm going to close on this. I believe, I believe that the first song that this man sung on his way home, hallelujah, was amazing grace to always be my song of praise. It was grace that brought my liberty. I do know, don't know why Christ loved me so. He looked beyond my faults and saw my needs. I'm so glad that Jesus lifted me. I shall forever lift my eyes to Calvary to view the cross where Jesus died for me. How marvelous, hallelujah, the grace that caught my falling soul. He looked beyond my faults and met my needs. That's what he did. He looked beyond all of our faults and met our needs. He looked beyond this crazy man and met his needs. And guess why he saved them, y'all? Guess why he told them to go back home? Because later on in the text, you'll see Jesus coming back to the same town. And the first they didn't receive him, they told him to leave. But now when he comes back, they bring all the lame, the sick, right before Jesus. And Jesus starts healing. You know why he told him to go tell? Because he had the first missionary that would go out to the Gentiles and share the good news with them so the ground was ready for Jesus to come back and the <laughs> mm. I tell you I tell you Pastor Stephen grace does change everything grace does make a difference in our lives it was amazing grace It was amazing grace that saved the wretch like all of us. And you saved the day. Is that your testimony? He met you while you were where you were at. It was his grace that came and saw you. Hallelujah. All over the sanctuary. All over the sanctuary. Eyes bowed down. Heads bowed and eyes closed. You that are out there online. I just want to let you know that Jesus loves you so much that he came right here this morning, so that you might hear the good news, the gospel, that he loves you so much that he wants to save you today. No matter what your situation, no matter what your state is, Jesus stands here with his arms stretched wide towards you, saying, come unto me, all ye that are heavy laden, all you that have heavy burdens, take my yoke, for my yoke is easy and my burdens are light. Come unto me. Come, I will no wise cast you out. He that believes in the Son will have life. Will you come today? Will you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior? If you're in the sanctuary, just slip up your hand. I, I want to pray for you. I, I see your hands. I see your hand. Is there out there in, on the airway? If you don't know Jesus and the pardon of your sin, I encourage you just to lift up your hand and pray this prayer with me. Would you pray this prayer with me? Jesus wants to save your soul today. 
And I tell you, your life is like a vapor. You're here one moment and going the next. You ought not to play with Jesus. You ought not to take chances. We ain't here to beat nobody into heaven. We ain't here to whip no one into heaven. We ain't here to scare no one into heaven. But we love you so much. And we're going to take time that you might get your life right, that you might be in heaven. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Pray this prayer with me. If you lift up your hand, if your heart is ready to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Father, I'm a sinner and I need you to come into my life. God, I remember that day that you saved me. God, I wasn't looking for you, but you came looking for me. And today, God, there's people right here in the sanctuary that needs you to save them. I pray, God, that they would pray this prayer even right now. Lord, I'm a sinner, and I need to be saved. I believe that you died for me. I believe that you were buried, and I believe that you rose again on the third day. Come into my life and be my Lord and Savior. Save me, Father. Thank you for saving me right now. God, I want you to rule and reign in my life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for all that you're doing. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.